I was thinking about how much easier it is just to start the school year off, post the rules at the front of the classroom, put your ideas out to the students, your expectations, make it very clear to the students, and then teach your class as normal. What's hard is thinking about how the students might perceive these rules or take these rules in or whether the students see the rules as meaningful. When I went to school, it was pretty much communicated to us that rules were something that came from the teacher, that were expected of the students. There were, there were no opportunities to make any kind of suggestion or comments about what was expected. And we blindly went along with the rules and followed them. That was pretty much normal uh, operating, standard operating procedure, as you say. So I, I want to think about how different students from different cultures and different backgrounds perceive things differently and may in fact not take in some of the rules, policies, and procedures the way we intend them to and what to do about that. So I thought about in teaching subject matters, academic subjects, such as ELA or math or science, we try to think about how the students will take in the subject matter, how they perceive it, what their perspective is. We try to think about that to differentiate instruction, or at least that's what we should be doing. But when it comes to creating a construct of classroom management, when it comes to constructing the class environment, we don't often ask students what they think about the classroom environment or how they would like to treat one another or how they would like to be treated or what the classroom should look like. Now, sometimes we work on building class communities so that we can stop conflicts from happening, but we barely think about from the student's point of view, what they can contribute to the governance of the classroom. And sometimes this is a really delicate balance because students ultimately don't get to really make those decisions. The adults ultimately have to make the decisions because they're responsible. For example, the students might say, well, I'd like to have 10 minutes of free time, or I'd like to be able to have a smoking lounge in the school. Now, that's an exaggerated one, we think now, but in my day, there were smoking lounges for students, not in the school that I attended, but I've heard of it. And that doesn't seem reasonable to us, but it might, from the perspective of the students, seem fairly reasonable. After all, they, these students might be going out to smoke when they shouldn't. Um, 
high school students do that. They experiment, they smoke, they go off school grounds. So they might want to contribute that as part of the governance of the school or the governance of the classroom. And even thinking about that can get a teacher's backup, but the truth is that's their perspective and that's their perception. And So going back to the 10 minutes of free time, that's an easier one to grapple with. The students may say, I need some free time. Free time to a student could mean anything from talking to a neighbor to getting out of their seat or putting their head down. Now, that may seem very reasonable as well, but we know that today time is tighter. Uh, If an administrator walks by, 10 minutes is a long time to give the students. Uh, There's not enough work going on. So these are ideas that may not fly, but governing the classroom is about thinking about not just the rules, but why there are rules, why the students need rules in the classroom, what the rules really mean to them. And at the beginning of the term, of course, we have to have some ground rules because we work in a school and the school has rules. For example, we would never not tell the students that they couldn't bring a weapon to school. That's a pretty strong zero tolerance policy that we can all agree upon, no matter what kind of disciplinary practice you're uh, promoting. But we might think about some of the rules that the students could develop that would have meaning to them. For example, what have the students talked about what they think should be the rules of the classroom. Now, I've read about this and heard about this and have talked about this in all my graduate classes, but to actually do this takes a really constructivist point of view, and it takes a lot of patience, and it takes a lot of courage, and it takes a lot of listening, because as I said before, sometimes students contribute things that we have to say no to, or we have to steer them away from. If we're trying to be more constructivist, we wouldn't exactly say no, we would just steer them away from it. If you're anything like me, you probably would say no, because some things you just can't do in the classroom setting. But getting students talking about it is a great step in having them take responsibility in the classroom. And a good place to start is in a circle meeting, because in a circle meeting, we can start by setting ground rules in the circle. So this is just as simple as how would we like to treat each other? An example you can give them is we don't talk over one another because we want to be heard. So here is a rule. We do not talk over one another. And here is a reason why this rule is a good rule. The ground rule is a good rule so that we can hear one another and respect one another. So the students can contribute that phrase themselves or a teacher can model the first uh, reason why we don't talk over one another. When you're in the circle, it's a great practice arena because the circle is time, that you can discuss time set aside that there's no real risk in terms of you're going to lose 
academic points, so you're going to fail a test or you're going to miss taking notes. But the circle is a time where most of the, the focus is on social skills. It's not on academic development. I mean, there's some secondary academic game, such as games, such as listening skills. Uh, obtaining good listening skills or speaking skills, um, developing patience, hearing what other people have to say. But the circle is is carved out time to get to know one's peers. So going back to developing those rules, I think it's really important why st- that students not only choose a few simple rules for the classroom, but the teachers guide them through the process in that they understand the reason for each of the rules. And students are pretty forward about saying reasons why they think the rule is good or reasons why they think the rule is not so good. I think the trick, the next trick is to get the students to come to a consensus. Because again, we want students to own the rules in the classroom. What is the difference between a rule and a a value? A value is an underlying purpose in the classroom, or what's important to all of the members of the community of the classroom, such as the value that I have in my classroom is that I respect all students. That's a value. It's not necessarily a rule. I think that sometimes there's a mix-up. A rule means something you either have to do or should do or you better do or you do it for safety purposes. It's specific. You're either doing it or you're not doing it, whereas a value is a feeling tone. It's the way we treat one another. It's the reasons for doing something, it's what we value or what feelings we have a worth for a particular reason. So what is the worth of everybody in the community? What is the value? What do we all value? What is worth something to everybody in this community? And we can find commonalities such as trust is a value. Loyalty is a value. Friendship is a value. I'm just throwing these out. These may not work for your school community, but this is a value. A value is to honor diversity, to honor differences, and to uh, listen well to each other. These are values in the classroom. Values could be different depending on the group, depending on the age, depending on the maturity of the students. Most schools have rules that come from the top down that we have to follow, policies that we have to follow, and there's a good reason for them. Sometimes there's a rule that doesn't fit in with your classroom. For example, I'll give the primary example that I like. When I was an assistant principal, some of the teachers would send students to me who were eating in class. And they said, my rule is there is no eating in class. And none of the teachers who sent the students to me were computer teachers or science teachers in a lab. They just were teachers who felt that there should be no eating in the classroom. And they would give me reasons such as there's 
mice in the classroom. It's distracting. Uh, I don't like it when kids bring in smelly food. The list was just, um, the list was long and they would tell the students you cannot eat in the classroom. So that was a rule that they developed that didn't necessarily work for the perspectives and the perceptions of their students. Perspective of the student, I'm hungry. Be grateful I came to class. I can't concentrate. Perspective of the teacher, student is unwrapping a paper of a bagel. It's noisy. It's distractive. So you need to talk about this in the classroom and think about it and rules can be changed. So for example, if a teacher is anti-eating in the classroom and there's a discussion going on and the student is able to present their perspective, the teacher, the first step is listen to one another, of course, listen to the community. Is it fair for the community? If one student eats, we all eat or people can eat at will. And what's fair for the community? So put that down in a form of a discussion. What is fair? Is it fair that students eat in the classroom? If so, how can we create a fair system where students can eat in the classroom and not harm the community in any other ways? So a rule can change and a rule can be discussed. There are some rules that are not negotiable from the top down, such as no weapons in class, or if it's a science lab, nobody touches the chemicals without direction. But some rules are more appropriate than others. And some rules are arbitrary that are taken from times past or a lack of trust. The students have not been trusted. For example, a teacher may say, there's no liquids in the class no liquids at all. And student may say, but I'm thirsty. I need to drink water. Or another famous rule is no use of the bathroom pass. Again, is this a fair rule? Is this something you should talk about? What can you do to make it fair? Are you willing to listen to the students? Now, you can't go through like 40 rules. The idea is to pick the the most uh, the most prioritized rules to discuss and to not negotiate, but to listen and come to a consensus. And again, since the teacher is ultimately responsible for the kids, ultimately responsible for the safety of the classroom, the teacher will ultimately be in charge of saying yay or nay. But the idea is to develop rules that everybody can agree on and understand the reason for the rules. So at the beginning of the school year, things can be talked about. Again, there's still that sense that even if the rules are developed, in my opinion, the teacher is responsible for them. Now from, let's just talk about the teacher's perspective for a minute. I know in my graduate class, I've had to make certain policy changes to the syllabus. That's not necessarily a rule. It's a policy change. It's an academic change. It's something that the students know that if they do X, they're going to get Y. 
that's not a rule. But a rule might be something that's common to everybody in the whole school. For example, texting in the classroom. I'm not going to be teaching and lecturing and have students text in the classroom. I think that most of our department agrees upon the same thing. We agree that texting in the classroom is not okay, even at a graduate level. An occasional emergency text, you know, exhibit courtesy, leave the room if it's important. If it's not important, put the phone down. You know, I'll get to it later. So that's something that I wanted to make a policy about, but it sort of turned into a rule. And I think most of the department agrees upon it. That's not going to be negotiable with the students. If everybody agrees, we all text. No, that's not going to be negotiable. Something else that could be a rule is that we arrive on time. That could be, again, it could be a policy, but it's now developed into a rule. Now, because I teach in an urban setting, it's a flexible rule. People are stuck on the subway. People are uh, trapped in the elevator. You name it. Uh, so it's not a rule that's a rule like a chiding, you know, I'm going to call you out if you break this rule. It's going to be more like, if you have a pattern of this, please communicate with me what's going on. Whereas in a high whereas in a different setting, in a high school, there might be a different reason for lateness and there might be a different rule regarding lateness, but that's not a negotiable rule per se. It's something that's going to be spoken about, but I can speak about it in the positive as well. I don't have to make my rule. Oh, you're going to lose 30 points if you're late. It's more like be on time. Why? So that we can all be on the same page so that we can all engage in a healthy discussion. It's good for the good of the community because when students are late, there's a repetition of the material and we don't want to do that. So thank you for listening. And as you develop the rules, think about some of these ideas, whether you want to include the students or whether you just want to present the rules. And if you just present the rules, that's okay too as long as they're simple and stated in the positive for the most part. Thank you.